Welcome to the February Pensions Podcast from the Stevenson Harwood Pensions Law Team. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud or by visiting our website at www.shlegal.com. I'm Mark Catchpole, a partner in the pensions team, and I have with me Stephen Richards, another partner in the team. Today we're going to talk about some of the key pensions law developments up to the end of February 2019, including significant changes to pensions regulation and the approach of the pensions regulator, and key points to consider with the upcoming change to auto-enrolment minimum contributions. Thanks, Mark. There's some important news for individuals responsible for pension arrangements, and also this will include company directors. In the government's response to the consultation on protecting defined benefit pension schemes, significant changes to defined benefit pensions regulation and the power of the pensions regulator have been proposed. Amongst these proposals includes the introduction of two new criminal offences. The first is for individuals who demonstrate willful or reckless behaviour in relation to pension schemes. This will carry a maximum seven years imprisonment or an unlimited fine. The second is a failure to comply with the contribution notice, which will carry a penalty of an unlimited fine. These new criminal actions will both also attract a new civil fine of up to £1 million from the pensions regulator. I expect this could change corporate behaviour, particularly in funding negotiations. A new obligation is also being introduced requiring a declaration of intent to be issued when certain corporate transactions are being contemplated. This will need to be shared with scheme trustees and pensions regulator and explain the transaction and how any detriment to the pension scheme is to be mitigated. So all pensions professionals who work on M&A should take note of these upcoming changes. In addition to criminal sanctions, the proposals also give the pensions regulator the power to issue civil penalties of up to £1 million. There are a number of situations in which the regulator will be able to exercise this power, including on a failure to comply with the notifiable events framework or the new requirement for a declaration of incontent, knowingly or recklessly providing false information to trustees or the pensions regulator, and a failure to comply with a financial support direction. Thanks, Stephen. It sounds like sponsors must ensure that they keep their defined benefit pension schemes at the forefront of their minds, particularly when embarking on corporate activity. The pensions regulator has itself also suggested it will change its approach, in particular in relation to sponsor restructurings. It has published a letter setting out the lessons learnt from its role in the Kodak restructuring. By way of background, the pensions regulator approved a regulated apportionment arrangement in relation to the Kodak pension plan, whereby the assets and liabilities were moved out of that pension arrangement into a successor pension arrangement. The UK sponsoring employer and the US parent company were relieved of their pensions liability, with the trustees of the pension arrangement acquiring a Kodak business. However, that Kodak business has not performed as well as expected, and the successor pension arrangement will now enter the Pension Protection Fund. In its letter, the pensions regulator notes that it should have commissioned its own independent advice in relation to the viability of the Kodak business that the trustees were acquiring, instead of relying on advice commissioned by the trustees themselves. The pensions regulator also notes it will be taking a more cautious approach to agreeing to a restructuring proposal where no substantive sponsoring employer support remains in place including putting in place a memorandum of understanding with the trustees, which would allow the pensions regulator to trigger a winding up of the scheme if necessary. Trustees will also need to demonstrate a compelling case if they are to take ownership of a business as a means of ensuring scheme funding in the future. 
A development that sponsors of defined contribution pension schemes should be aware of is that the statutory minimum contribution rates for auto-enrolment are increasing on 6th of April this year. In addition to ensuring their pension schemes meet the new minimum contribution requirements, which will be a total of 8% where contributions are based on qualifying earnings and 9% where contributions are based on basic salary, employers should also consider communicating with their employees about the increases. In addition, thought should be given as to whether the increase triggers a requirement to consult with employees. We can assist employers who are uncertain about whether a consultation requirement applies, along with any other queries concerning general compliance with their statutory pension duties. And our final topic is to mention that the trustee of the Airways Pension Scheme has been successful in its application for a Beddow order for a Supreme Court appeal. In 2011, the trustee exercised its unilateral power of amendment to provide itself with power to award discretionary pension increases. Last year, the Court of Appeal ruled that the amendment was invalid because it constituted a use of the amendment power for an improper purpose. It therefore followed that the trustee's subsequent exercise of the discretionary increase was also invalid. The trustee is appealing this decision to the Supreme Court and applied to the High Court for a Beddo order in relation to the appeal. A Beddo order essentially provides that the trustee is indemnified by the trust assets in relation to the costs of the court proceedings. The High Court was granted the Beddo order, with Arnold Jay concluding that there was no inflexible rule whereby a trustee appealing a decision did so at their own risk with regard to costs. He held that the trustee is entitled to be indemnified from the trust assets if, in the specific circumstances of the particular case, it would be acting in the interests of the trust as a whole by appealing. However, the judge made it clear that the trustee does not have carte blanche to spend whatever it wants on the appeal. The trustee estimated its costs at just under £1,300,000, but Arnold J considered it necessary for the courts to intervene to ensure the costs are kept within some semblance of reasonableness. He therefore restricted the costs in respect of which the trustee is entitled to an indemnity from the trust assets to just in excess of £1 million. Thanks, Mark. I'm going to look out for that appeal with interest. That's all for this month's podcast. Further topics and additional detail on the subjects discussed can be found in the February snapshot and briefing entitled Watch Out, Watch Out, The Regulator's About, sent out earlier this month, or from your usual Stevenson Harwood Pensions Law Team's contact. Thank you for listening. We hope you found the podcast informative and don't forget that you can listen again and subscribe to the series on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud or on the Stevenson Harwood website. Mm -hmm.